0: Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. As always, I'm your host, Steve Hofsetter. If you enjoy the podcast, please like it, comment, subscribe, review, do all of that stuff. It really does help uh, other people find us. And I'm joined here in studio now. I'm very excited about this one because we go way back. Yes, we do. To when you were successful and I was in college. <laughs> and so my guest is Gabe Sachs. Um, the best way, I, I don't even know how to describe you. Writer, creator, producer. Sure. Uh television person <laughs> yes um the first big show that i know of you doing is freaks and geeks yes and but you've done a ton of stuff since then certainly um but i'm really excited to have you in so happy to be here absolutely yeah very fun first of all i want to tell the story of how we met right because uh i was a college student who was like desperate to talk to people in the industry to like <laughs> just I was like I have to learn things let me learn <laughs> of things course, yeah and uh you were an alum of the fraternity that I was mm-hmm. a member of Sigma Phi right. epsilon um and I reached out to you and you know I read something I guess the, our journal wrote something about you and I was like oh that sounds great and so I reached out to you and without even as far as I know without even a second thought you were like yeah let's grab lunch Right, And you like invited me to come to the studio and your office was on the lot. And it was just as a, I think I was like 21, 22, I was just the most excited. It was great.
1: Well, I mean, I love that because what I remember is being in school and seeing all these people come speak, mm-hmm. you know, at USC. And you'd sort of like, can I approach them? I don't know if I'm supposed to approach them. I don't yeah. know if I'm supposed to give them a card, like make up a quick card and hand it to them. And so I always said, if anyone asked, especially in school or not in school, whatever, wanted to talk, I'm always happy. to. Even if it's just an email, even if yeah. I'm, I'm working or shooting, I'm happy to respond and help in any way I can. I love that. Which is wonderful. And
0: I am, too, if asked the right way. Right. What's the wrong way? Uh, I'll give you one I got today. Okay. Um, someone asked me for someone asked to open for me on right. a show that is already booked a person who I've never met before. Right. And I said, you know, oh, thanks, but I have I travel with support. And uh, they said, oh, well, you know, I've heard, you know, you always like to help out young comics. And I wrote back and I said, I do, and I've hired two of them already. So, you know, nothing I can do. And then it's like many hours later, and he writes this at 5 in the morning his time, which is always the right time to send a message to a stranger. Yeah everything because I'm sure he was up early to job sure yeah that's why and he sent me a message basically like telling me off saying that you know what I should have countered with and I'm like countered this wasn't mm-hmm. a negotiation but what I should have countered with was offering him a guest spot and how dare I and he heard I was a dick anyway and all this stuff it was brewing I mean th- this was going on like the
1: second you said you had other people absolutely that was it. And, that
0: was it. and just the idea of like oh I'm sorry that I should have countered with firing someone for right. you <laughs> Like, exactly and, and but that's what I mean like the idea of there's people like that there's people going you know yo let me open like there's that right there's just send a respectful like yeah yeah Radu bondar who's one of my regular openers mm-hmm. now I met him because I need an opener in Houston he sent a very professional email he did a great job on the show I enjoyed talking to him as a human being right. And then I and so it was like, Oh, you know, let's grab a bite after the show and then I was like, come do some other dates for me and now he's one of my regulars.
1: That's the way to do it. That's
0: how it works. But that's what I mean. Like, do you get do you get people reaching out that is just like eye roll of entitlement or is or like for the most part are people respectful? And I hope by the way I I was. No, no,
1: you were great. (laughs) And
0: also I think because
1: having done a show like freaks and geeks they assume that you come from geekdom and yeah and and happy you know at comic-con you know you run into people and and so it's mostly that it's mostly people really sincerely wanting to help and and stuff like that occasionally there yeah. have been people um that are in the school of well freaks and geeks got canceled you know, it's like, you know, yeah, and then they like, like, like they're really like, well, you it's did quite didn't wasn't very successful. And uh, yeah, you really get that. It's and crazy. So they, like
0: people who aren't doing anything in the industry talk trash because you only had a successful show. briefly. Yeah. yeah
1: it was uh, 18 episodes. One of I believe. your successful shows. <laughs> yeah. It was 18 episodes. I think Judd and Paul are doing OK now. I yeah. think
0: everyone's fine. Getting a pilot made, let alone to air, is winning a lottery in this business.
1: It's impossible. Yeah. It is absolutely the hardest thing, and you can never take it for granted because every season, like with The Night Shift we did for yeah. NBC and Sony, every season you're going, oh my gosh, is this going to go again? Like I just, is it going to go another season? Because well, it t- takes so long from from pitching and, and outline and
0: on and waiting, and it's crazy. There's one of the things I talked to Jonathan Kite about during his episode was that he was on like the hottest show on television. Yeah. And I remember talking to him at the Laugh Factory once and him saying, yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to get renewed for next season. I was like, if you're not sure, no one's sure. Yeah. You're literally CBS's number one show right now. They don't make you feel like that (laughs) no matter what. It's always like, we'll we'll see. Yeah, no matter the ratings, they're just like, we'll see how it goes. goes. We'll
1: see if anything's better. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: how they negotiate. That's how they counter. Oh, yeah. They yeah. counter a lot. Yeah, I and so for those listening, because I know a lot of people who, you know, listen and watch are people who aspire in various different fields. I do want to make the point, email anyone. Yeah. Um, I developed a nice pen pal relationship with one of my favorite sports writers when I was, I think, still a freshman in college. Um, you know, just shoot a message to people. And if they don't reply or if they say no, thank them.
1: Be nice to everyone. I mean, this is, I've got to tell you right now, you know, we're pitching and there's people that were assistants that are the head of networks. I mean, it's just the truth. And so we're always nice to everyone and also, you know, return emails and stuff like that because you just don't know what's going to
0: happen. But also just to be a decent human being. Like whenever someone says, I don't like networking, I'm always like, oh, you don't like being nice to people? Right. Right. All that is, is being nice to people. Right. Like it's and if it's inauthentic for you to be nice to people, you, you're a bad person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just have to. I mean, that's, you know, the same with. But that should carry on, carry over to everything you're doing. So when, uh, you know, when we're shooting, I'm definitely there at crew call. I'm not yeah. there at, you know, shooting call. I'm not there when the producers show up. I'm there at 6 a.m. I want to know everyone's name, every single person. I want to know something about them. And so over the course of the first season, I got to know everyone on our set and they respect you after that. It's like there's no we don't have yelling on our sets, no drama or anything like that. So none of those Christian Bale moments. No, no. But but it's funny if (laughs) if a PA has a better line in for the script, we'll take it. It's like, you know, we're open to, you know, if people see something not working we love that. I mean, we love to go, well, why is it not working? And then they'll go, oh, we didn't even think of it like that. So, what's
0: the process for a PA going, I have an idea?
1: Uh, well, on our sets, it's a little different. Our sets, they can literally come up to me at the, in Video Village and no one's going to say a word. It's yeah. not like that. A lot of times, they, you know, the ADs protect Video Village or on and on. And Video Village,
0: for oh, anyone, sorry, yeah. no, that's fine. Uh, for anyone who's not in the biz, uh, is basically. Where people sit and watch all the footage that was just shot.
1: Well, you're also it's watching the, the
0: monitors as you're
1: shooting, right. so you're 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 watching everything going on. You're listening. And there's like a thousand screens
0: everywhere, and that's why yeah. they call it video village because right. it's an entire village of videos, <laughs>
1: video screens. And you're also able to watch the actors, see what's see what the shot is, and then go in and give notes. And yeah. it's always relatively close to the action.
0: Yeah, but that is also where like the people who make decisions will sit. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Freaks and Geeks for a sure. second. Because such a critically acclaimed show, there are very few shows with that few episodes that have left that much of a mark on television. And not just because of the show itself, but who was in it mm-hmm. in their first roles yeah. or early roles. Yeah, Because, I mean, Seth Rogen and James Franco, was that their... Mm-hmm. Uh, James had done some stuff. It was Seth's, you know, really his first real thing. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, he started doing he started doing stand-up. When he young, was a teenager. Young, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is, I th- I would assume, part of how he got that.
1: Yeah. Well, he was, um, I know that, you know, that story and the documentary will be on again soon, so y- you can learn a lot about it, is, you know, came in to audition and Judd, Paul, and Jake Kasdan were just like, this guy's voice is yeah. great. He's got such a <laughs> different take on lines and... And you just loved him. I mean, he's yeah. just that kind of guy.
0: Yeah. He is very lovable and that's yep. been kind of his thing throughout. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it launched the careers of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, the only show I can think of that had fewer episodes that has as big or bigger of an impact would probably be Firefly. Yeah. Because that was just one season. Yep. But Freaks and Geeks still has a fandom. Still oh, it's man. way bigger now than it ever was. There's no question.
1: It's yeah. way, it's, you know, I have you know, people I'll go to events or speaking at events and people will always want to talk about freaks and geeks. And you have I'm to remember right now. <laughs> yeah, but you have to remember we were not it wasn't like that then. So we're we're making a show that basically the network is, you know, putting on one night, taking it off another night, not airing an episode, things that things wouldn't make sense. They kept switching us around and we were on as much as we were off. And so we all we wanted to do was make little movies every week that was sort of it we're going to make these movies and they're going to be real it's gonna that was the that was the you, you had to tell real
0: stories and that's what we did every week well it's so hard to be serialized when they keep moving you around yes and when they don't air certain things when they don't tv i for for the people who are like 15 and younger yeah they you have no idea how dumb networks used to be Like with the idea of like, let's take a show and be like, oh, things aren't working. So how do we fix it? How about we completely change when it's going to air so that nobody sees it? Maybe we'll air episodes out of order. Maybe we'll, I mean, that's what Firefly went through also. Like maybe we'll just won't air this pivotal part of the story. You know, maybe we'll preempt the last five minutes for something else. You know, the thrilling conclusion. Yeah. And it just, it was the most shoot ourselves in the foot mentality. Yeah, and that's and and that's how we
1: felt every episode and we we loved what we were doing. That was definite. Everyone became very close because of it. Yeah. We knew there was we were up against crazy odds cuz who's going to watch the show? It was very real. We came out of the gate with with good ratings and then sort of plummeted. And then they started moving us around and there was no help. It was no like let's put them uh let's put an ad in friends or let's put an ad in some you know big show and help
0: them yeah cuz this none is of that this is nbc before nbc became something people laughed at right like this was when nbc was something people left with mm-hmm. which is a very different thing yeah this is nbc at the height of the must-see television of you know this was what year was what year we shot in 99 and so 99 yeah. so in 2000 so right. just after Sanford went off the air but friends was still the beast yep and there was also i'm trying to think of what else was was on back then but it was still i think that was like the last really big hurrah i think er was still a huge thing and you know just nbc had a lot of television real estate that they could launch a show right but instead they didn't
1: yeah, no, they had no interest. <laughs> and the other thing is we had someone... I love how matter-of-fact you're oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, They absolutely. didn't, no. And we also had someone come in, uh, NBC, the new president, didn't like the show. Yeah. Um, he's he. When they did the... Um, Brent Hodge, this great filmmaker who did the documentary, um, you know, we were all saying you have to get... Garth Anseer is his name, to do the show and ask him... What happened? Like why didn't you, you know, do more or whatever? And he just sort of, you know, it was a difficult time. He's thinking of other things and the business yeah. of it all, but he doesn't he want just to didn't. be
0: he doesn't want to be the villain in the movie. Like which no, is No, he what, doesn't want to be the villain in the
1: documentary, but yeah. you'll see. Um I can't wait to watch the documentary. Yeah. No. It's really uh it was really upsetting and sort sort of we would see um As writers that were producers, but not showrunners yet, and not understanding the pacing that Judd would do and, you know, the meetings and the yelling, you know, to network, you know, he would be on the phone and fighting for what he and Paul believed in, which was huge. I mean, you're watching your bosses basically just go, you're not going to fuck up the show. (laughs) That's basically it. I mean, this is, this is our show. And And we believe in it. And they're real stories. You know, every story in there, you know, is based on something. And that was really important. And that sort of launched everyone's careers.
0: Yeah. And it also, it it was interesting because in a time where now the chic thing is for some hot popular girl to be like, oh, I'm such a nerd. It's like, no, you're not. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Stop it. But at the time, this was before being a freak or a geek was seen as a good thing. Mm -hmm. In high school... We had the hallway I used to hang out in was called the Freak Hallway. And the premise of it was basically is because someone many, many years earlier referred to the people who hung out there as a bunch of freaks. And we just kind right. of adopted it. Love it. But it was it was the art hallway. It was the hallway right outside the art classroom and one floor down from the music classroom. Right. And so it was where we would all hang out. Any of the arts kids, the music kids, or the kids that just didn't feel like they fit in. That's where we would go. Right. And so to have something on television, on primetime television, that was about us, yeah, that was a big deal. And you have to make that correctly, and it can't be Revenge of the Nerds, no. where one of the nerds basically raped somebody, and it was celebrated. <laughs> right. As I know, it was oh, it was a different time then. It's like you still knew that was wrong, and like that was the idea of the. We talked about it off air. The idea of you know the nerd getting the girl and like all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's that's not. It's not going to happen. Right, but that's right. that's just not what happened. Right. So it was great that you guys actually made something that was authentic and that was true. And that's well, we, difficult to tell. It was so I,
1: – I think that's what prepared us for everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. We – if you're not picking that show up, I don't know. Like we put all our heart and soul in that show. And so everything after that became a little easier because <laughs> yeah. it just was our – our favorite thing we've ever done and we we are so close to it and and you know even now they made the documentary and they came over the guys who made the documentary Brent hodge and um ali came over to my house because judd and paul said go to gabe's house he saves everything yeah and they came over and i had all i always had my i still do photography so i had my black my i was taking black and white stills all the time yeah film And I always had a video camera, but this is just in Video Village, just you know, watching and producing the show. And then they come in my office, and I have this—I have the Parisian night suit, and I have Letterman's jacket, and the the mascot head. And oh, that's awesome! We we open a drawer, and there's 50 hours of behind the scenes. (laughs) And they were just like,
0: "What?" They're like, "Oh, we have our documentary now." They were just—you got to be kidding me! They're like, "Why didn't you make
1: a documentary?" Yeah, and it was, <laughs> so I everything. just, but, but the funny thing is, yeah. I was documenting just to remember the experience. That was yeah. it. There was nowhere to post it. It wasn't that kind of thing then.
0: Yeah, it was just to have it. Yeah, was, just to have was it. Because... And the
1: still is the same thing. I just took them and they used everything in the doc and it's really cool.
0: And at the time, you didn't know if you'd ever get this chance again. No. Because this
1: was early on for you as oh, well. Oh, we didn't know if we'd ever work again. We did, we did um, Sick in the Head with Judd. Mm -hmm. and uh, that was before that, and it was one of the funniest things we ever worked on and said, this is the coolest thing. This is going to be a big hit, on and on. And when that didn't go, we were like, oh, my gosh. This is crazy. And then we went and did Freaks and Geeks, um, and then we're like, this is the great, you know, oh, my gosh, this is so real and on. And then that doesn't go, and you're just... But then you become, you know, the writers on that show. We became, you know, the next thing. Like, let's... Everyone was offering us jobs, which had never happened before.
0: Well, let's talk about some of those jobs when we get back. Uh, Go support the people who support the show. Welcome back to Failing Forward. I'm here with Gabe Sachs, and we're talking about your, you know, your rise in the television industry Mm -hmm. that went through some pitfalls, some cancellations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Well, almost every show that has ever been on television has been canceled. Right. Every now and then people leave on their terms. Yes. Very rarely. It's yes. very rarely. Like yeah. the the good place right now. Oh, yeah. Is leaving on mm-hmm. their terms. They're like, oh, there's the story we had to tell. Absolutely. But even, even Seinfeld, who famously was like, you know, I, I want to retire at the top of the game. There was still some rumors, at least. And I don't know. I wasn't there. But there's still some rumors about, you know, networks still shifting things around. And that was Seinfeld. That was right. one of the most I successful know. television shows of all time. Right. So... Where do you go from Freaks and Geeks, critically acclaimed, but, you know, network out in its own way, and you get 18 episodes, and then that's it. Did you have a job before it was over? No. No.
1: No, but the second it was over, we had a lot of offers. Yeah. And we just couldn't wrap our heads around anything else or working with anyone else. And... um We got an offer from a show we really liked. Mm -hmm. It was a process that was really different for us. It was just shoot me. Yeah. And we really loved watching that show. We didn't quite understand the process. And so there were, I think, 22 writers in a room. Wow. Um, And so they hired... Something like that. It was was a lot of writers. So they
0: hired because you and Jeff Judah, right? Yes. That's our company, Sax Judah. Yeah. So you and Jeff Judah were hired... To work on Just Shoot Me. To co-executive produce Just Shoot Me. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. That was a great show. It was very exciting and on and on. But having that many writers in a room was very stressful. And people are pitching, you know, great stuff. And they're they're joke monsters in the best way possible. I mean, really funny people. And um, the late Marsh McCall was running... It with um, Maxwell Word, and it was a great team of writers there. But, and Steve had just left Levitan, had was still running, but I mean, he just from a distance. Yeah. And we loved, you know, loved working on it, but it was such a different process because the way Freaks and Geeks would work is you would read the script and then go through You think it's funny? Yeah, it's funny. Okay, great. No, no, no. The way that worked, it was, you know, it was a science project. So you would be there till one in the morning. And then at one in the morning, someone would go, you know, I'm worried about something on page one that would pull the string out. Oh, and, and then the whole thing. And you thing. start again. So we were not like, that was just foreign to us. It's just we, I, I just don't think we were great at that. Well, that's part of
0: why that show was good, though, because yeah. they did pull the strings they to make su- to make sure it was tight. I was talking about this yesterday. I was talking about the Joker. And how I didn't even have to see it to know that it's bullshit because, and apologies to anyone who may have worked on that. But from a story perspective, not one person could have said, how is this the guy who eventually becomes the foil for the greatest detective of all time? Not one person could have said, why is he 30 years older than Bruce Wayne? Like you didn't have one person in the room doing that kind of stuff. Yeah and that ruins the entire thing you have to poke holes right so much of storytelling is problem solving absolutely 100 percent and before you even solve them identifying the problems yeah and going okay well if this like I was I was working on a framework for a movie yesterday and I was talking to someone about it and she just goes, well what about this thing and I was like, oh dude okay, all right, I got to go back and completely change that character (laughs) because I didn't think of that perspective. Right. And you need to do that in order to make something good. Right. So, okay, so you go to Just Shoot Me. Go to
1: Just Shoot Me and we, it was great, you know, was a great experience. The actors were great, writers were great, but it just wasn't how we told stories. So we sort of finagled some stuff and we were able to get, get out of that after a year. And um, Judd said, the, the day you rap, just shoot me, you're going to come run undeclared. I want oh, wow. you and Jeff to come over and run undeclared. Yeah. And we, the Friday night last taping of just shoot me, there's a pile of scripts at my house for undeclared. And Jeff and I, we got to, you know, Sunset Gower and we got, and it was just felt like home. It was like all our people. Yeah. It was the crew. It was the actors, you know. Seth and you know it was just it was great and met some new people and yeah but it was a really warm feeling and we made a decision at that point that that's that's it like that we have to keep working like that.
0: So that was actually undeclared was the first show of yours that I watched. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched Freaks and Geeks oh, cool. because of Undeclared. Undeclared was actually you know when I'm aspiring everything and yeah, don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I do yeah. yet was the show that I wrote a spec script for. Oh wow. Yeah, cool. I wrote an Undeclared spec. Oh wow which I ended up, you know, I mean, I was in college. I couldn't do anything with it. Yep. And so I ended up changing the names of the people and using <laughs> it as a, like in one of my creative writing classes. Love it. As like just a, a one-act play. Perfect. Because <laughs> it was, you know, a 22-minute. Right, exactly. Yeah. What is this going to be? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that was the, you know, the genesis of that was, I still, God, I haven't thought about that in forever. Right, no, it's great. But yeah. Um, so, okay, so then you did Undeclared and... What is the, you know, I always try to kind of pull the lesson from stuff mm-hmm. on the show. And is the lesson there that creatively you need to run things your way in order for it to work? What's the what's the takeaway?
1: Well, it's it's sort of, you have to be in line with people that work the same way. I think okay. that's a fair way to say it. Like it would be, I mean, that's the dream. It's not always like that. Yeah, I mean, you are going to have a job that, as a writer or anything, that you're not going to be happy working for them, and you have to try and make the best of that situation. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a lot of there, Um, and you just sort of have to sort of figure it out, and that's that's a really a uh, hard thing. But surrounding yourself with people who work similar to you,
0: is yes. a, that is a very good point.
1: Yeah. We want it like what Judd and Paul said, they wanted to hire people that they wanted to see every day. Yeah. And that's how we proceeded. We we feel that that's, that was the great thing is like figure out how to, you know, work with people you don't work with. And that's it. Life's too short. That's, yeah. That's so you could feeling. look
0: forward to going to work. Absolutely the and that's true by the way even in relationships like if two people get into a relationship where one of them is a frequent like texting checking in type person right and the other person is a oh yeah we'll talk in a day or two that's going to collapse so quickly trouble Yeah, yeah exactly and it's that same type of thing your communication style your work style whatever that is you have to match and it doesn't mean that one is better than the other right it just means that if there is someone who is a micromanager, they need to work with people who can be micromanaged. 100%. If there is someone who is a, well, let the creatives do their thing, they need to work with people who are creatives who do their thing and who don't need right. someone pushing them in all these different directions. Right, exactly. And that's, that's anyway, good lesson for people. Yeah. Okay, So, uh, so you've now learned the lesson and you and Jeff are off doing your thing, but you're still working on someone else's show. Yeah. So when do you go from working on some someone who you admire a great deal? And by the way, in case anyone hasn't figured out, this is Judd Apatow that right. we're talking about, who, by the way, I have only recently met. Um, I did a bunch of shows with him starting about two years ago at the Improv. And he's just the nicest he's guy. He's the greatest. It's, it's it really amazing. It makes no sense.
1: It doesn't make sense, but I'll tell you something that we uh judd took me to this event the other night yeah and it was teen cancer america this brilliant organization they raised millions of dollars in one night yeah and it was concerts in the backyard and it was in you know this this huge real estate mogul's house full concert setup, up and the lineup was kenny loggins pink the foo fighters and the who
0: Anyone I'd have heard of, though? No, or? they were going to make it, though. Okay. The Who, the who
1: weird name, but something's going to happen with who? them. Those kids. Yeah. Um, but it was outrageous. You know, and Judd was hosting and yeah. and auctioning stuff off. And you sort of, you know, at the end, we're sort of wandering, like waiting for it, like ordering an Uber and yeah. there's no reception. We're just walking in a daze because it was so cool. Yeah. Like I was saying. And Judd's like, goes, do you know how many, like, if I tell you how many times at 13 years old, I was lip-syncing to The Who in the mirror. Yeah. You know, it's just that feeling Yeah, of he's, just like. But he still has that. He still has that feeling. Even
0: though he's Judd Apatow. Yeah. And there are kids now who are like, do you know how many times I grew up lip-syncing the lines from your movies? Right, 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 right. But he's still him. When he did uh, uh, he did one of my shows for Comedy Juice, and, you know, after the show, I go over to him, you know, I just thank him for doing it. And I give him a couple extra bucks. It's you know club spot pay is garbage. Right. It's it's the thought of it. It's not anything totally. that you know the, the guy the guy could never work again. And right. every every appetite from here to eternity <laughs> would be fine. Right. But he he thanks me in the same way a young comic getting paid for the first time would thank somebody. Absolutely. And I was taken aback by it to the point where I was like, oh okay. And he sees that I'm like amazed and he just goes i still got two kids man (laughs) it
1: was so disarming he's so
0: good he's so funny and i think
1: you know the hardest thing was we had to make a decision and you know judd really when you're on set it's like he gives you the life you know he gives you the rope you can hang yourself or you can pull yourself up and succeed and and he did that with us over and over And it came to the end of Undeclared and we looked at each other and, and just, we were saying that we've got to try this on our own. If we fail, we'll come running back. Yeah. And, and and do whatever. Let's hope he doesn't find two other people.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And so we ended up doing a pilot that didn't go, but then we started working and working and working and working. And, and our friendship with, with Judd was great. Like we would come and we could give, um, notes on movies and, yeah. and stuff he was working on which we still do and it's it's great like you can you're looking at it a whole different way because you're not you know we're not depending on him for money anymore so it's yeah. really we can say you know what, <laughs> what it is but, being fired but he you always know it's going to get there it's like he yeah. has he has long cuts and they always get there and and I, it's his, his stuff coming out is going to be great.
0: And so you go, you and Jeff go off and form your own company. Mm-hmm. And then is there, is there this moment of like, okay, what now? Or had you guys been enough of Hollywood Wonderkind that it was okay?
1: No, we were developing and, and, and doing some other stuff. And then J.J. Abrams and Brian Burr came to us to do what about Brian? So there was a lot, there was things. In between, that sort yeah. of we would go do, and because JJ was doing um, uh, Mission Impossible, yeah, so he couldn't do that show, and we were obviously happy to help. You'd um, be like, "You go do your missions." Yeah, go do your fancy <laughs> Mission Impossible. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, you you just sort of you have to get that confidence that you've gotta gotta keep going, you know, yeah. and and keep creating shows and try see what happens, and, and that's sort of how we continued until uh, the writer strike. Yeah. And uh, we just bought our houses in the Palisades and the writer strike happens and we sign this big deal with Disney and uh, they called and that deal's done.
0: Yeah. And then that's We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like yeah. it's just
1: like what now? And that's where you know, we had signed with UTA And it was at the point, like, we have to, you know, figure this out. And we got offered 90210. And this was the last thing we were ever going to do because we had done Freaks and Geeks. And why would we ever do 90210? It doesn't make sense. They said, you can do whatever you want. Famous last words. You know, you could do this. This, by the way, is the second of the the three. Yes, the second of the three, 90210.
0: Yeah. Not the abysmal thing that's happening right now. Right. But the second of the three.
1: And we kept saying no to it. And... Um, they really said, you know, you could do this. But we talked to Judd and talked to Sue Nagel, who was one of our agents at the time, who then went to become the head of HBO. And they said, don't be dummies. They said, this is a business. And you're, you know, it's worth a try. You can use your, put your characters into it and make it different, just have that backdrop. And you know, we thought about it for a while. And, and it just, you know, after Judd saying, look, this, if this goes a long time, maybe one day you'll be able to audit them and maybe make money. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? that's, that's really the process. And we did it and it was really painful. It was, we love the cast. Again, we love the crew. But it was sort of, we were dealing with a network, rightfully so, who was dealing with a product. Right, they wanted it to be a soap opera, not a story. Absolutely, which is not what we do. Yeah. and But, you know, we just couldn't agree. And this went on and on and on, and and it was tough. But in order to keep our points in the show, you know, your profit participation, uh, we had to stay a year. So it was like me hanging on to Jeff's leg. Yeah. (laughs) And to give you an idea, Jeff is 6'5", I'm 5'8". and it would make sense. Like just yeah. sort of, you know, trying to get him saying, look, we got to stay on this thing. We got to figure right. it out.
0: Let's just finish out the year and then we'll...
1: Be done. Yeah. And we did. And we finished out the year and decided we're never going to do television again. <laughs> That's how yeah. bad it was. And we uh, did The Diary of Wimpy Kid movies. We we got those and we, we did the first and second one. But it was a tough experience. But thankfully, the show went on to 115 episodes and we still haven't made that money but at least <laughs> the, of these days, at maybe. least the audit just finished. Yeah. So hopefully
0: something will come up. Perfect. I I'd love to talk to you about more stuff. We have to wrap up unfortunately. This was so awesome though. Anytime. There, love to talk to you. There's so much to th- there's so much to learn from you. You know, from I've got some of the same I mean not the same questions because mm-hmm. hopefully I've answered those by now. But th- I've got the same amount of questions I had when I was twenty. Right. And we sat down, you know, we sat down for lunch. And, you know, you've done so much in this industry. And I let there there's a lot to learn here for those who are listening. You know, even the even what you said about 9020, the idea of working on something with people who have similar styles, that's true with the network as well. They're trying to force the, you know, the cliched uh, square peg round hole type right. of thing, and it's just it, it's just not the right fit. And finding the right fit for you creatively, and that's true with any industry. It doesn't have to be even be a creative industry. Right. It could be finding the right fit for you of how you sell insurance. It doesn't Absolutely. matter. Absolutely. It it's you can't sell something you don't believe in. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, you know you can't be creative in a way where you don't believe in it. And so I think that those are very very important lessons for people to learn. And I hope they have. I agree. Anything I agree. you want to
1: plug? I have nothing to plug. We're in
0: development <laughs> right now. We're writing stuff. Maybe soon. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Gabe, thank you so much thank uh, you. for for taking the time and, uh, and being a part of Failing Forward. Absolutely. Great time.